Coming up, Hanging with Mr. Satan, How to Negotiate a Deal with the Devil Without Using a Golden Fiddle, and a feature film we love so much, even we refuse to spoil it. All this, plus questions from the listening audience on this episode of Kiss the Goat. I'm Cootie. My name is X, and this is Kiss, Kiss the, the Goat. goat. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode about our favorite Hollywood bad boy and his evil exploits. That's right, boys and girls. We have another hot, tightly packed podcast in store for you, in which we are going to be discussing one of Cootie's favorite devil movies. Yep, that's right. Tonight we're discussing a real gem straight out of the 70s called Satan's Cheerleaders. But before we get into the glorious meat of things, let's take a quick break. <laughs> meat. <laughs> Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know? That the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons. And body counts. Body count. The mathematics of murder. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC Podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. All right, hey, welcome back to Kiss the Goat. Uh, let's take a look at the world and find out what the hell's going on. It's time for Satan in the News. Yay, Satan in the News. And Cootie has our first story of the evening. I do. This week, Satan in the News. Apparently, a Georgia high school student in a uh, school is called Grady High School. Um, she's apparently been teaching the ninth grade students that Evolution was the product of Satan and the cause of all sorts of, quote, ills, including racism, divorce, and even gay people. <laughs> right? Apparently, she did approximately a 10-minute PowerPoint presentation illustrating her point with a cartoon which depicts dueling castles. One is labeled creation, parenthetical, Christ, and the other is labeled Evolution, parenthetical, Satan. Attached to the Evolution Castle were balloons being attacked by the Christian camp, reading 
euthanasia, homosexuality, pornography, divorce, racism, and abortion. <laughs> now, apparently, both the wow. illustration and this lesson offended several of the students in the class, who later complained to the school administration, saying it was inappropriate for a science class. Well, when word got back to the teacher that they had complained to the higher-ups, she went on a 10-minute rant yelling at the class and telling them that this was on the Atlanta Public Schools website and it was certified. <laughs> well, ironically enough, it was on the APS website. Oh, my God. So apparently now um, the district is reviewing the vetting process for all the lesson plans prior to allowing them to be uploaded for instruction. One of the students said that he has gay parents and he was very offended by the presentation. And I don't blame him. You would think they would have instituted that reviewing the presentation and vetting it a long time ago. You, you know, would think so. Not just after everybody was all upset. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, right now, um, she's not facing any kind of charges or any sanctions for the presentation. Um, but apparently, in addition to showing um, a distinctly creationist and evangelical view, the presentation was riddled with spelling and grammatical errors. Now, so that's that's the devil. That's the devil right that's there. That's the devil. <laughs> well, you can't spell Jesus right. That's the devil. I just like to know where it came from. That's um, yeah, I would too. It's weird. I mean, there are a lot of oh, there are a lot of mega churches in the Atlanta area. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying there are people who have those kind of beliefs in that area who could possibly have access to the school system. Yeah, that almost seems like a joke, though. I mean, if you if you look it up online and look at the illustration from the presentation, it's really. It's absurd. It's really funny. Oh, well, thanks for that educational update. Of course. Um, tonight, my story is, it's a couple years old, but I think it's, I think it's still relevant. Um, <clears throat> according to the Weekly World News in 2000, <laughs> I know, in 2009, and remember, there are people who maintain that that is a serious and viable journalistic vo volume. It's one of my favorites. And one of mine, too. Um, here is how to negotiate an unholy contract. This comes from a book by a man named Dr. Rex Tauth, who was an expert on satanic rituals. Seems like everyone's an expert on satanic rituals. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so when you get the chance, you know, to go ahead and just sell your soul to the devil, here's, here, here's how to do it. First of all, set the deal up properly. Apparently, there's a right and wrong way to make contact with the devil. The right way is to be alone in your room, close your eyes, and say, Satan, I summon you. I have a quality soul to sell if the price is right. It may take dozens, even hundreds of times, but at all costs, avoid sounding desperate or needy. He'll show up eventually. It's a high-quality item there, Clark. <laughs> Next is you deal from a position of power. By far the biggest mistake people make is to underestimate how badly Satan wants their soul. It's like precious gold to him, and he'll pay anything to get it. When he appears, get him to make the first offer, and then up it. Wow. 
haggle with the devil. Um, also, get the absolute best. Remember, you're going to burn in hell forever, so no matter how bad off you are now, demand the best. For instance, if you feel unlovable and desperate with loneliness, don't just say, I want the most gorgeous woman on earth and I want her to be madly in love with me. Instead, say, in fact, throw in a hundred other women as well so I can pick and choose according to my mood. Wow. And here's the best part. <laughs> no, it gets better. Okay. Remember to demand the life extension clause. Satan won't tell you if you don't ask, but you can get a guarantee of 300 years of youthful life before you go to eternal damnation. So why enjoy a mere 75 or 80 years of reckless living when you can get 300? That's like getting the tire shine when you buy a new car or getting the, the undercarriage coating. Right, right. Make sure you make sure you haggle that shit out and negotiate it before you sign any parchment with your own blood. Seems smart to me, man. That's right. That's <laughs> consumer advocacy right here on Kiss the Goat. <laughs> we're not gonna guarantee we're not gonna guarantee it works. We're not gonna guarantee it doesn't work because we've not because that's stupid. We've not right. done it. No. But <laughs> if if you're up for it, there's some handy dandy tips. Words to live by. Or some, at least for 300 years. Right. Until you're sent to eternal damnation. Important safety tip, Egon. That's right. Uh, all right, then. Shall we move on? Let's move on. All right. Let's talk about Satan's Cheerleaders. Satan's Cheerleaders was released in 1977. It's That's my favorite year for movies of any year ever. Because it's the awesomest. It is. Uh, this is a high school sexploitation flick, and it's a devil movie, and it manages to sneak in some lowbrow comedy. So it, it never goes completely overboard like a trauma movie, but it's still pretty insane, and it manages to break its own logic numerous times without batting an eye. Um, to say that there are tonal shifts in this film would be a tremendous understatement. <laughs> However, some pretty famous names worked on this movie. Director Graydon Clark made some of the better drive-in movies of the era, including Without Warning, which was recently picked up uh, by Scream Factory. You can get that release on Blu-ray. Um, the director of photography was Dean Cundy, who filmed Halloween for John Carpenter the very next year. Nice. And he worked with Carpenter up until The Thing in 1982. And then he started doing some other movies, a little bit bigger budget. You know, stuff you may have heard of, like Back to the Future and Jurassic Park. <laughs> <clears throat> stuff like that. The script supervisor for Satan's Cheerleaders was Deborah Hill, best known for producing most of John Carpenter's early work. She co-wrote the first two Halloween movies with him. And she co-wrote The Fog and Escape from L.A. Now, later, she went on to produce other bigger-budget films, too. She produced Terry Gilliam's The Fisher King, uh, David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone, and one of our household favorite movies, Clue. Woohoo! Everybody has to start somewhere, and I can't think of a more auspicious movie to have on one's resume than Satan's Cheerleaders. That's pretty fantastic. I have so much love for this movie. Seriously, so much love. Which is hilarious because it, it really is just so bad. But Yvonne DiCarlo 
Yvonne DiCarlo has style, y'all. And for the uninitiated, Yvonne DiCarlo played Lily Munster on the mon- on on the TV show The Munsters. If you haven't seen it, then get out because seriously, <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong? With what is wrong with you? But she delivers every cornball line in this movie with a dark and sinister grace that seriously few others could pull off. We we really do love this piece of shit movie. And that's not ironic or hipsterish. And it's not even a this movie is so bad it's good right. situation. Because this is a bad movie. We just really, really like it. <laughs> and because it seems like something that our audience would really dig, especially the ending, which is one of the biggest what the retcon hell just happened endings ever, we have decided in our benevolent grace mm-hmm. not to spoil this one for you. Ooh. But we are going to give you some of the action, hit some of the high points, and tell you why we love it so much right after this break. Hang tight. Hi, I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecue and oxen and roasting boar for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. Ain't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a back. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Dr. Action Kick-Ass. You can find us on our main page, which is dractionkickass.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tease somebody. dive into Satan's cheerleaders uh, like <laughs> X said previously <laughs> we're not going to spoil this sucker for you but we are going to give you kind of a, um, a synopsis of the about the first half of the movie and then we'll hit some high points of the last half so a long time since I've dived into a cheerleader <laughs> yeah well they, they I don't even have a comeback for that so. <laughs> I'll just move on I tried. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, this movie opens like any good devil movie should with a satanic ritual. Um, but we only get a very brief glimpse of that before it cuts away to a beach scene where we get to meet our heroines of this movie, the cheerleaders of Benedict High. Um, there's Debbie, Patty, Chris, and Sharon. They're on the beach in bikinis and short shorts and practicing their cheer routine. 
Uh, their teacher, Miss Johnson, is also there, and she's trying to get them to tone down the shimmy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> she also has the common sense of a frying pan. She does. She's she's a more than a little naive, um, very sweet and innocent kind of character. Uh, the football team shows up. And they are led by Stevie, who's the quarterback and head horn dog. Uh, we don't really learn the names <laughs> of the other players, and it really doesn't matter because there are apparently only, what, three or four of them anyway? There's only four people on that whole football team. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie, two white guys, and a black guy. That's it. It's all it. you need for football. So we pretty much learn immediately that the girls are dumb and slutty. I mean, there's corny dialogue coupled with the fact that they just can't seem to stand still. <laughs> They're always bouncing and or wiggling around. Yep. Um, so they're they're on the beach and they're playing football and it's at this point that we learn that one of the girls might be a little different because Patty suddenly just runs off by herself to sit in the surf and stare at the water, all contemplating. And when the girls run up and ask what's wrong, she tells them, I feel like something is about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, professional astrology at its finest. Right? <clears throat> so there's a little foreshadowing for you, I yeah. suppose, is what that's supposed to be. Let me. Like, can I run back real quick and talk about the cheerleaders just for a second? Absolutely. Um it's difficult to tell them apart, except for Patty. So, remember, when you're watching this, Patty has the long blonde hair. Debbie has the short brown hair. Um, Sharon has the shoulder-length shoulder blonde hair and the largest breasts. Right. And Chris has the long dark hair. And if you're still confused by that, it's fine, because they spend most of the movie wearing shirts that have their names on them. <laughs> That's right. Right on the front. So... That's your character development. After they leave the beach, there's no confusion. Nope. Names are right there plastered across the boobs. So <clears throat> so then the football co coach shows up fussing and carrying on. And this guy is my least favorite character in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, he's supposed to be overbearing and fussy, but I just don't think the guy pulls it off very well. Um, it just comes off as annoying more often than not he does and he tries because he makes at least a decent dr strange love reference he doesn't want the boys to be expending their precious bodily fluids right. um, in or on the cheerleaders <clears throat> they've got a game no sex yes. before the game <laughs> so finally miss johnson convinces him just to leave and let her handle the kids and, of course, this is just in time for the kids from their rival school, Baker, to show up and start some trouble. <sighs> the Baker kids are rough. <laughs> they are street toughs, and they are from the wrong side of the beach. So when they start giving the cheerleaders and the football team what for, Coach Johnson steps in to keep the peace the only way she knows how. Chicken. Chicken fights. <laughs> so... Girls from each school get up on each other's shoulders and commence to slap each other down into the sand. Mm -hmm. Like you do. Like you do. So that's about as close as we get to a rumble in this movie. And if you're like me, you're wondering exactly where the hell Satan is right about now, because the movie so far has been nothing but the asylum version of Greece. 
Exactly. Well, <laughs> funny you should mention that, X. <laughs> because the next scene is that night we get another glimpse of a satanic ritual. Thank God! <laughs> like I mentioned, Yvonne DiCarlo has some great lines in this movie. And in this scene, we get to see her deliver her first one as she's handing a large goblet to this red-faced, white-mustached man, and she tells him, drink of the blood of darkness. Mm. And he takes the goblet and he drinks from it. And that's all we see of that ritual. We cut away. And really, it's just espresso. That's really all the blood of darkness is. <clears throat> now, you know this is a... Sorry. You know this is a satanic ritual because all of the people involved are wearing the same pendant. Now, it's supposed to be a pentagram with an eye in the middle of it. However, it looks like a really small version of the monsters from Invasion of the Star Creatures. So, <laughs> it's just a fucked up starfish. All the devil worshippers are wearing Patrick around their neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, for, for the life of me, it looks like they made these out of popsicle sticks. <laughs> and then they wrapped a marble in, like, white Play-Doh or Fimo clay or something. Yeah. And it's supposed to look like an eyeball there in the center center of the pentagram. And then meanwhile, the guy who's drinking the blood of darkness is this poor stuttering fuck with a Wilford Brimley mustache. And <laughs> he's drinking it so that Satan will grant him revenge against his enemies and make him more powerful and hopefully stop his stuttering problem. Right. Right. So that's it for that. We're done with the cool part. And then the next day, the kids are back at school preparing uh, for the big game with Baker that's supposed to take place that night. So the football field has been TP'd. We know it was Baker because when they got kicked off the beach after the chicken fight game, they said, I know we're going to TP their school or something ridiculous like that. Right. right. Something to completely throw all suspicion off of them. <laughs> So uh, we see the the poor stuttering white mustached man again, and um, he's cleaning up the mess. This is Billy Brooks. Billy Brooks is the school custodian and apparent Satanist, and he has a thing for the cheerleaders, especially Patty. So, <laughs> talk about his shirt, cutie. Oh my God! Which one is he wearing? This one? It's the it's the uh, the, it's the one that polyester. American flag one, right? Yeah, it's like an abstract. No, 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 not here. This is just the straight blue thin denim shirt with sequins. Oh, the all bedazzled over the, shirt. The yeah. bedazzled shirt. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's right. Because the blue denim goes so well with his red cheeks. It's like from the Captain Cardiac collection. <laughs> so, so Billy Brooks is there cleaning up the teepee, and the kids are down on the field. Uh, having a tickle fight or something and he goes down and interrupts it and, you know, stutters, what are you doing? And Stevie says, we're having an orgy. You want in? So he tells them to stop. He gets mad. He says that um, he's going to tell the coach. Of course they laugh and mock, mock him. And you're so, old. You don't have a penis anymore. Right. So he gets pissed and stutters some more about how they think they're so smart. And then he storms off. <clears throat> and then more hell breaks Thank loose God. as the kids from Baker drive onto the field in a convertible green Cadillac, and this time they're armed with water, water balloons. balloons. <laughs> Who the fuck are these kids? 
seriously, there's not a punch thrown. Nobody even pulls a switchblade like Rebel Without a Cause. It's all slap fights and water balloons. Well, the guys, they kind of start fighting, but they're they're really just kind of on the ground wrestling with each other. Nobody's really duking it out. That's foreplay. Right. (laughs) The girls are throwing water balloons at each other. They may as well have challenged each other to a hopscotch game. (laughs) Yeah, another chicken fight would have been more entertaining than the water balloon fight. Yeah, because this is almost as evil and almost as good as horror at Party Beach. (laughs) Anyway, here comes the good shit. Right. So (laughs) the girls take off. Um, They go to clean up, shower, and get ready for the big game that night because they're about to leave. So they enter their locker room talking about how Billy the janitor gives them the creeps. And meanwhile, Billy Boy has already set up camp in a janitor's closet beside the girls' locker room. (laughs) So we see him pull out his necklace with the large (laughs) pentagram. I was sure how you are going to end that sentence. We see him whip it out. (laughs) He whips his necklace out. (laughs) And then he starts muttering this chant over his pentagram necklace. And it sounds like, Audi pragus meus satana, blessed be. Now, should I get into this now? Because I'm ready. Go ahead. All right. I took two years of Latin in high school, so I am an expert. Um,. I am reasonably sure when I translate this that the spell says in English, expensive foreign car, spaghetti sauce, I am the devil, blessed be. Sounds legit. Yes. <laughs> Audi, prego, mea, satana, blessed be. Now, I am cool with all of that except for the blessed be part because why don't you curse someone and then turn right around and say, blessed be? Blessed be. It negates yeah. the entire aspect of you cursing them it's like i'm going to cut your arm with a knife oh i'm sorry here's some gauze and some neosporin (laughs) makes no sense at all now the first time that i saw this movie i was dating a guy who was wiccan very wiccan and blessed be is a traditional greeting and or um you know departing phrase that you say to somebody kind of like aloha <laughs> and he was so offended that they used blessed be on the end of that satanic chant. And here, you know, I'm laughing my ass off because why the fuck would you throw blessed be on the end of that weird chant? But he was seriously like deeply offended and that still makes me laugh to this day. <laughs> so, Billy in his closet, uh, yeah. apparently he has a peephole that looks right into the girl's shower. It's not a peephole, it's a fucking grate. <laughs> <laughs> he can put his whole face in it. There's well, it's no big peep holes. <laughs> He's still peeping, and it's a hole. There's no way they couldn't see him. He's basically got his whole head coming up out of a drain. That's true. I don't know how the fuck they didn't see him. But they were too busy practicing one of the two cheers that they actually know, and bouncing <laughs> around the shower. And this is really, this is, other than Patty's um, satanic exploits later in the film, this is the only TNA we get in this movie is the shower scene. There is a lot of ass smacking. There is. Yeah. The football players think they're funny and they switch the nameplates on the locker rooms. So if you go into the boys locker room, it says girls. If you go into the girls locker room, it says boys, the coach that we don't like because he's a dumb character um, is 
apparently interviewing for a new job and talking about how he appreciates cleanliness and godliness, and he takes his prospective employers into the boys' locker room, but it's really the girls' locker room, <laughs> and there's titties. Yes, of course, the girls are trying to get dressed, and they're in various stages of dress, and when men come in, they start writhing around and saying, <laughs> oh, hi. And, you know, of course, Miss Johnson is trying to protect the purity of her students, and she's all <laughs> stretching her arms and legs out trying to cover up their little bitty titties and their naked butts. And It's, uh, it's, like, it's so weird to see boobs in a 70s film. Yeah? Yeah. Because they're real? (laughs) (laughs) They are. They are totally real. Patty was rocking what? A a, a small A? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, Stevie comes running in right at that moment when the coach is flabbergasted and turns around to try to leave. And he snaps a picture, a Polaroid picture, nonetheless, of the coach standing there with the half-naked cheerleaders behind him. So that's his little... uh, blackmail tool to get to play in the game is insurance policy right so when the girls leave and everybody's on their way to the football game billy billy the evil custodian sneaks into the locker room once everybody's left and all the laughter has died down and he gets into patty's locker and again he starts rubbing his pentagram all over her street clothes while muttering the audi pregus mea chant But this time he gets caught by the football team, all four of them, Stevie and the three guys, and they all threaten to have him fired for sneaking around the girls' stuff. They call him a prevert. He's a prevert. Now, it seems like a lot of Billy's problems would have been solved if if only he'd learned how to masturbate. I mean, you you can rub your necklace on a shirt all you want, but that's not... It's not helping, Billy. It's not the necessary <laughs> friction that you're after. Just, just a word of advice, kids. Right. So while, while Billy's getting busted rubbing his pentagram, um, <laughs> the girls are on their way to the big game in Miss Johnson's giant station wagon, which I love. Um, so they're driving down the highway, and... Apparently, Billy decides he's going to take off after them, and he gets in his pickup truck and takes off after them. So we see Billy driving behind them, chanting his Audi Pregus Mea Satana chant. He's stroking his talisman. And, and, and stroking his pentagram. <laughs> when suddenly the uh, convertible Cadillac with all the Baker kids comes tearing up the highway. They go into the other lane and cut off Miss Johnson's station wagon and run them off the road. And, of course, the car dies, and, of course, the car won't start. And they they get out to check the car, but they never open the hood because they don't know anything about cars. So they just look at the front of the car and say, I don't know, I think there's a motor in there. Yep, there's a motor in there. I'm sure of it. I'm pretty sure there's a motor in there. Now, is this comedy? Maybe? Because I don't know. (laughs) Just... Just re-emphasizing the point that they're young and dumb, I suppose. It was surreal. It was just very strange. It really was. So Billy comes along, and he picks up the cheerleaders and Coach Johnson and promises that he will get them to the Baker game on time, which is a lie. Liar. A horrible lie, because his plans for vengeance are underway. 
And this is where he's wearing the shirt that looks like an abstract American flag and, mm-hmm. again, has sequins. Because whoever told him that rhinestones were the way to go was also a liar. <laughs> or it was the 70s. Liar. So Billy takes them to the place where they hold the satanic rituals. Mm-hmm. And while they're, while they're approaching this spot in the woods, Patty gets this weird look on her face. And she takes off her clothes. And she lies down on the altar. <clears throat> and the wind starts to blow. And I think that's supposed to be Satan having sex with her. I'm not sure. But that's the impression I got. But yeah. Billy tries to approach her while this wind is going on, and the film image actually polarizes. Billy turns a bright kind of magenta red, like at the end of 2001 when all the colors were shifting, <laughs> and he is thrown back by the force field of, of Satan. Um, so everything turns red, and then Billy tries it a couple more times, and when all that's done, Billy has a heart attack. On the ground, eyes open, not moving. And Patty, of course, has no idea why she's naked, and the other girls don't have any memory of Patty stripping and, you know, doing to the beast. Satan, by the way, in this film is represented by a plastic decorative lion face, and the lion face has horns, and it looks like something that you could buy in the faux medieval department of Dungeon Depot. (laughs) Yeah, and the way its mouth is shaped, it looks like it's supposed to be like a big door knocker, like something's supposed to go in its mouth. (laughs) <laughs> but it's not there. <laughs> and it's obviously really lightweight, too, because every time the wind picks up, it just starts shaking like it's going to fly off it's of the It's just really light molded plastic. Yep. <laughs> Spray-painted gold. <laughs> yeah. So Billy's knocked out laying on the ground. The girls believe that he's dead, and they leave. They're going to go look for a police for the sheriff. Because when the guy who picks you up dies of a heart attack, the first thing you do is steal his fucking truck. Right. Which is just what they do. (laughs) So when they're driving back out the highway, um, they see a homeless guy standing on the side of the road, and they pull over to ask him if he knows where they can find the sheriff. Homeless guy is John Carradine. If you know who John Carradine is, especially during this later portion of his career, I don't really need to tell you anything else. He's not wearing his dentures. He's mumbling um, he does eventually give them directions to the sheriff's office, which is in his home, and it's inside of a town called Nether, California. Population, like, what, 130 or something? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so the girls drive off, and they go to find the sheriff's home, and they do. And as they pull into his driveway, you see a sign there off the side of the driveway that says, Sheriff... B.L. Bub. Fuck me, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's not foreshadowing at all. No, not at all. No, no heavy-handed storytelling here. <laughs> so if you were clueless up until this point, things start coming together. <laughs> yes, yes, very clearly. Now, the sheriff seems pretty helpful because, you know, who wouldn't when five hot chicks just roll up at your house... Not that his wife isn't already gorgeous, since Yvonne DiCarlo rocking a red Dale Evans bandana around her neck. Yeah, man. Now, she gets a weird feeling about Patty, and she starts talking to Patty in some ancient language, Sumerian or something, and Patty answers just as if she were speaking English. 
So that's when we start to get to thinking maybe there is something a little off with with Patty after all. Right. So the girls tell the sheriff their story and he takes off to investigate and they stay there in the house waiting for him to to go to the site of the altar and and find a uh, Billy dead. <clears throat> so he does find Billy, who apparently is not dead. Um, he wakes up and is really pissed off because the cheerleaders are gone and he didn't get to get jiggy with Patty like he had planned. <laughs> so he starts he starts accusing Sheriff Bub of cheating him and just keeps shouting that over and over again. You cheat, you cheat. And he starts choking him on the altar. And then Bub proceeds to kick the shit out of him and throw him into a ravine. Oh, he just beats the living shits not out of Billy. And the best part is when he rolls Billy's body down into the ravine, he stands and he raises his arms above his head and yells, Geronimo! (laughs) I don't even have an answer for that. I I I I don't comprehend. So, so anyway, Billy's dead now. Yes. <laughs> Resilient motherfucker. <laughs> so Bub goes back home. <laughs> where he calls Yvonne DiCarlo out into the yard and they have a private conversation where he tells her that Satan wants an unsoiled maiden and that the girls are to be sacrificed that night. Yes, they're going to they're going to perform the black mass for the very first time, just like in the ancient ritual. Exactly. And this is when we get another great line from Yvonne. She says, it's our moment of glory. Praise be to Satan that we have been chosen. Now, obviously, this is a new coven, because really, (laughs) who hasn't done a black mass at some point in their lives, you know? But yes, the blood of an unsoiled maiden will flow into the chalice and more blood of darkness. And I don't think they got that far, but it's a really nice chalice. It is. Anyway, the girls kind of get wind of what's going on, and they escape. They go upstairs, and they all climb out the bathroom window and jump off the roof, except for Coach Johnson, who can't bring herself to let go for that, what do you think, eight-inch eight, eight inch fall? About eight yeah, inches? yeah, she's she's hanging by her fingers off of the, the eaves of the house there, and her feet are maybe a foot, foot and a half from the ground. Yeah. She just can't bring herself to let go. Can't do it. So the sheriff hears the noise, hears this noise like somebody banging something. And, of course, it's the coach's feet uh, banging against the siding of the house while she's dangling there. <laughs> and that's when the sheriff realizes that the girls are gone. And um, he starts interrogating her as to where the girls are. Now, the sheriff's interrogation method is rape. So he's not real up on these newfangled methods of questioning people. He's a stand-up it, guy. He's <laughs> yes, he is. He's just it's just let's get straight to the uh, act of violence and forceful fucking. Right. So the girls are off running around in the woods, and they make the decision to split up. Now Patty has stayed behind, and she's sitting in the living room with Yvonne DeGarlo, who keeps giving her the raised eyebrow and looks very afraid. Stink eye. <laughs> yeah. But the other three girls are running around, and they stop. And they decide, they have a conversation, they decide they're going to split up. But before they do that, they're they're trying to decide if they want to go back to the house to get Patty and, and Miss Johnson because they're, you know, upset that they left them behind. <laughs> and 
And this is when they actually give a nod to Rosemary's baby at this point, because Chris says, are you crazy? They'll kill us. They're all of them witches. (laughs) Which is beautiful. Beautiful. I feel like we've come full circle somehow. I know, right? (laughs) So they, they split up and they take off running around and it, it's not long that they realize that just about everybody in this little bumfuck town in the mountains of California is full of Satanists. Well, Debbie runs into the homeless guy again, and he pretty much says, hey, everybody in this town is a member of this Satan cult. Chris gets captured in a phone booth by a guy who straight up looks like Wild Bill Hickok. <laughs> yeah. Long blonde hair, the mustache with the curly points, cowboy hat, straight up Wild Bill. Sharon runs right into a guy wearing a full-on cloak and hood, and he's wearing the pentagram around his neck, too, so that's just shitty luck all around. (laughs) And Debbie finally gets captured um, by some crazy Satan farmer with a pitchfork. (laughs) So all the cheerleaders are now um, captives of the evil satanic cult. Right. I think we should kill it there. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Because we want you to watch the movie. We want you to realize that the cheerleaders are in mortal danger of their souls and their lives. And you need to see how they get out of it. So, tell you what. Let's take another quick break. And we'll be right back to sum up this beautiful madness that is Satan's cheerleaders. Do you like movies? Do you like beards? Do you bathe in raw meat? Do you dance under the fiery sky of Ra, daisies threaded through your Manchester mane? Foolish question. Yes, we all do. But do you do it listening to the podcast from the After Movie Diner? If not, then you're missing out, and you may or may not spend eternity in insufferable torment wedged between Simon Cowell and Piers Morgan in an elevator that smells of death. The After Movie Diner is a website dedicated to movies. New, old, large, small, and of every genre. There are written reviews, interviews with the famous and interesting, and a weekly podcast with comedy, reviews, interviews, a variety of fascinating and flatulent co-hosts, and music to tap your toe to. So why aren't you on board? Get there or miss out on the podcasting sensation of a generation, one that feels like being slightly tongued by an over-enthusiastic cocker spaniel. Find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and over at AfterMovieDiner.com. Hey, welcome back to Kiss the Goat. We are summarizing our feelings about 1977's Satan's Cheerleaders. And the first question that we always ask of each other when we're summarizing a film is, why should our listeners watch this movie? Cootie, go. This movie is just flat-out fun. I mean, it's full of great, kooky characters with hilarious lines. One of my favorite characters is one of the townspeople that they call Monk. (laughs) He wears this brown monk's robe that's hooded, and he's constantly crossing himself, (laughs) much to the annoyance of Sheriff Bub. Um, He he just provides great comic relief, and he delivers some of the best lines in the movie. Uh, There's one scene that we didn't talk about, and it's not too spoilery, so I'll go ahead and tell you. But when the girls are running around like crazy trying to find someone to help them before they get recaptured, Sharon runs up to him and gets on her knees and kisses his hand, calling him father. And she tells him that the sheriff is involved in some crazy devil cult. He lets her finish 
her her rambling and then asks, what kind of a cult did you say, my child? And it's at this point that Sharon starts to look up at him from, you know, kneeling at his feet. And she sees that he's wearing one of the stick pentagram necklaces. And she goes, Jesus Christ. And he raises his eyebrows and smiles and says, not quite. And then just starts (laughs) cackling. It cracks me up. So, yeah, this is not a serious devil movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just so much fun from start to finish. There are some scenes in this movie that are so inept Mm -hmm. that I cannot help but love them. It's like watching a puppy try to learn how to walk. It's like, oh, you poor thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For instance, when the girls are running around trying to find help, and the cult members are out chasing them or looking for them, all of them in just full Satan regalia, hoods and cloaks and everything. But you can tell they're just, it's like they were just walking around some picnic area of a state park. <laughs> yeah. Start to recognize like the same trees in different shots. It's like they're just trying to find a place to set up the demonic volleyball net. <laughs> So shit like that's just really bad. But overall, the movie has just this sweet, crazy spirit to it, Um, especially when you get to the parts that I can't talk about where it just goes absolutely fuckball nuts and and refuses to explain itself in any way. (laughs) Um, It's oh, you hate to use the word darling about a devil movie, but this thing is just darling. You just want to put it up on a shelf and pet it every once in a while, make sure it's got some food, watch it every couple of months. It's, Which is exactly what I do. Yeah, I mean, it is just <laughs> it's it is cute and sweet, and there's tits and and the worst black magic spell I've ever heard in my life. So if if you could appreciate the funny aspects of that you're good to go we're not this this is not the exorcist right you know this is fluff and in so, some and in some points it's inept fluff but it's still really good fluff right so what did we learn about the devil in this movie X? we learned that in order to talk to the devil um you must be in a room completely filled with red light yeah because I guess the red light symbolizes fire. There's a scene where Yvonne DiCarlo is is praying to Satan, and she has about eight red candles burning, which don't give off red light. You burn a red candle, it just gives off regular white light. But the room itself is just bathed in this red, crimson light. It's evil light. It's, e- <laughs> it's what it is. It is. It's evil light. And apparently that helps you talk to satan more better yeah i that's yeah legit (laughs) i think that we also learned that in spite of his seemingly never-ending quest for an unspoiled maiden uh satan has a weak spot for slutty cheerleaders i think you're right oh that's a very good point (laughs) and honestly when's satan gonna give that up because come on it's 2014 people trying to find an unsoiled maiden not a simple task. You got to go way back. Way back. <laughs> Elementary school. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just gross, and I don't want to think about that. So, how many horns high? 
are we giving Satan's cheerleaders? Oh, goodness. Out of how many? You said six last time? I don't yes. think that's how we did it with Rosemary's Baby. But... That's okay. That's that's a new standard. Six okay. horns high. Out of six horns high. I got to give it a five. Five horns. Yeah. And that's. I think that's just because I love it so much, and it makes me laugh every time I watch it. It never gets old. But the camp factor is really high, so... That's why it doesn't get six, I guess. I was originally going to give it four and a half horns high mm-hmm. until I realized how much I love those two disco songs that play almost nonstop for the first half hour to 45 minutes of the movie. I love it. <laughs> Just straight waka 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 guitar and the string section going. It's literally two of the best disco songs I've ever heard in my life, and I can't get them out of my head. I walk around work singing that shit. It's true. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to go straight up five horns high, uh, half a horn just for the soundtrack. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's pretty high rank. Mm Mm-hmm. So before we scoot out of here, uh, we did receive some questions from our listeners that we'd like to answer. We always appreciate hearing from you sick bastards. And remember that you can always send us your questions or comments at thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. If you make us laugh hard enough or make us think hard enough, we'll read your email on the show. Our questions, our, our first question tonight comes from Cindy Fallon, um, affectionately known as Sin, and she is a member of our Facebook group. And if you're on Facebook, you should be a member of our group, too. Look us up there. Do a search for Kiss the Goat. Feast your eyes on the plethora of goat pictures our fans have posted. Join in the conversations and delight in the madness with us. Uh, First of all, Sin asks, vibrator necklaces, a great accessory or the greatest accessory on a woman? I got to go with greatest. That's multifunctional there, man. It really is. Um, My thinking is the only thing that could possibly i wouldn't even say better i'd say as an accessory to the vibrator necklace would be to get one of those big chunky necklaces and attach a butt plug to it Ooh! but not one with a tail because that's too obvious that's creative artistry there man functional (laughs) functional and yet still artistic right well sin also asks have you ever been to a party and found a goat had just been slaughtered in the backyard and its head was in the fridge? Because I have. <laughs> <laughs> no sin. That has never happened to me. And I'm really sad that it hasn't. Yeah, that happiness has not been mine. Um, we go to the wrong parties, I guess. Apparently. I've seen dead cats in the freezer and a dead guinea pig once, mm-hmm. but they weren't sacrificial or slaughtered. They just died, and they were trying to preserve the body until they could take them to get cremated. So, Was this by chance a Republican fundraiser? <laughs> One would think. <laughs> Our last question is from Doug Tilly who's a newcomer to this whole horror scene, but it's always good to get mail from the younglings. Um, Doug says, hey, long-time listener, first-time commenter, could you possibly repurpose this song into your podcast theme? And he's included a link to a song, which I've never heard before, called Kiss the Rain by Billy Myers. Well, oh, shit. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Whenever I'm gone too long If you're listening 
out. What, what do you what do you think, Cootie? Well, I, um, no, no, that that sucks. Giant festering balls, dude. Well, well then, um, there it is. Yeah, nice idea, Doug. But I think we'll stick with what we have. Thank you for your questions, everyone. Always happy to answer whatever the hell you people come up with in those dark, twisted brains of yours. <laughs> If you enjoy our podcast, please be so kind as to leave us a review. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio On Demand, and of course you can find us on our new home, the Mighty Horrorphilia Network, home of all things podcastian and horrific. Yeah, it looks like that's it for this week's Kiss the Goat. And so much pseudo-Satanism, so little time. Thank you so much for shoving us into your ear holes. Until next time, I'm X. And I'm Pootie. Hail, Hail Satan! Satan.